Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, Corey Chadwick. Corey, how are you doing today? Hey, Lukey, how are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm phenomenal, as always. And Corey and I decided that we want to have a conversation on how to improve your mental health and, and your wellness, right? So uh, a lot of folks are struggling nowadays, and uh, COVID hasn't made things easier, right? But it also has pointed out the need for folks to to start taking care of their mental health, right? So they've given uh, time in addition to their physical and mental health, um, they've allocated some more time. So in the physical health realm, like it, it really started with folks being like reactive when they're sick, they go to the doctor. But now folks are shifting to the preventative side where they're being a little bit more proactive. And now even to the point where they're looking for like peak performance, where people are in like the quantified self movement and they're really looking for every little percentage to edge out. And I think mental health is also starting to go down that path where, uh, again, the majority of folks are only seeking help when they need it, right? Going to the, a therapist or what have you when there's big issues. But there's a growing number of folks like like the folks in the mental gym <laughs> that are proactively and preventatively kind of seeking out um, th- their ways to improve their mental health and wellness. And then to the point, again, to peak performances as well. So uh, I thought we'd, we'd start a little bit about our own kind of mental wellness journeys and then kind of dive into some perspectives or tools or techniques that, that folks can take um, in order to improve their mental health and wellness. So for me, um, I, I was just shy <laughs> when I grew up. And and I thought that I would always have like like a low grade stress um, going through the workforce, and and I even got to the point where I really actually burned myself out like physically when I first started work. So I put this unnecessary pressure on myself, and uh, I got physically sick for for a couple of uh, days, uh, in, and then had to take my mental health a little bit more seriously, right? And then when I decided to transition to the career coaching, then my mental wellness focus just kind of leveled up there, right? So. Uh, I kind of moved into uh, being a, a student of, of psychology, how the brain works, how people think and all that sort of stuff. And drawing from books, podcasts, resources, everything, uh, trying to amalgamate that into things that, that uh, I found work and, and sharing that with my, my clients. So that's kind of the, the high level on, on my journey. I'd love if you shared a little bit on yours. I know you took a degree in psychology, uh, but how did you uh, kind of learn or where did you learn about your thoughts on like mental, mental health and, and, and wellness? Yeah, my my journey started pretty early. I would say in my in my teenage years, my mom was suffering with mental illness. Um, nobody talked about it then, right? There was such a stigma about it, um, so much so that she really tried to hide it from everybody, including us. Like she, you know, my brother and I, she she tried to keep it from us. But it was pretty clear that something was going on, and and as things got worse and worse, it became more and more obvious. I I didn't know much about mental health. Um, I didn't know much about mental illness. Um, but I knew that something was going on with my mom and, and, uh, you know, again, unfortunately it got worse and worse. Um, mom ended up taking her own life. It was brutal. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was, you know, you don't, it, there's like, there's nothing that prepares you for that in life. There's nothing that's like, okay, here you, you know, here you go, get ready for this. Um, that was incredibly difficult. Um, and not long after that, my father, um, 
began his struggle with addiction. So it was kind of, there was things going on on both sides. Uh, my parents weren't together at that point anymore, but I, the, the big thing for me was recognizing that, that I was afraid that it might be genetic and that my mother's illness or my father's could be coming for me too. And um, like you said, so many people just wait for things to go bad and then try to get help. And I thought, well, that's one option, but I just don't see that as being the best option for me. Uh, another option was to just cross my fingers and hope everything worked out and somehow I would just be okay and not go down the same path. Again, it just didn't seem like a good strategy. I mean, that, that's a tough bet to make and <laughs> with, with the potential of that not working out for you. Um, but the third option and the one that was so much more appealing to me was to be proactive with this. Um, I, I remember thinking at the time, you know, I don't know if you can beat mental illness, but I got to try. And that, that was the way I thought about this. And yeah, so at the time I was a psychology major. Um, I've always been someone who thought differently and explored different perspectives. And so just a little bit at a time, one tiny little adjustment at a time, I started rewiring and upgrading how I thought how I made decisions, and how I behaved. It was always just small adjustments, a little tweak here, a little improvement there, but all of those little improvements would compound. Over time, there was a, there's a real compound effect that happens, and, and you realize that what started out as preventative um, had really become something so much more than that. And you talked about peak performance, and you talked about, you know, people want to show up at their best. People genuinely want to show up at their best and perform at their best. They want to be happy and live fulfilling lives. They want to be great parents and great partners and be great leaders, and full models. People want to live their best lives at work and at home, and they know they're not. And, and I think that's an unfortunate reality right now is that they know they're not, and they, they can't uh, when they're stressed, overwhelmed, burning out. And most people aren't burnt out yet, but they're burning. Um and again, so here comes this, this same question of do we cross our fingers and hope for the best? Do we wait for things to get really bad um, before we ask for help? And also recognizing that all of that time before you didn't ask for help, you're not showing up at your best. You're not performing at your best. You're not as happy as you can be. You're not living your best life, not even close. So we're just accepting that, that it might not be on a scale from one to 10, you might not be at a two, but are you content being at that five? Like, is that how you want to live on that burnout scale. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's really time people started paying attention to this. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your so story. And uh, I know you mentioned that uh, before in your kind of background um, story. And obviously it's not great to to uh, relive it each time that I ask you, <laughs> but I, I think it's it's very hopeful um, and, and uh, a good uh, story to share that, well, uh, there are, uh, I guess, silver linings on, on, on the clouds that, and you can take uh, and give meaning to a whole bunch of things. And I think what's important is you, you don't actually need to have these like uh, traumatic, like tra trauma with, like a capital T moments in, in your life. Some of us who live that, the five or the six, uh, kind of the low grade stresses and anxiety can actually decide to, to make changes in their, in their life as, as well, right? So you don't have to wait till uh, a loved one passes away or someone deals with addiction or something you could really focus on today just make the choice to live a little bit of a, a better life and uh, stop the, the suffering and what have you so i uh, i think i read somewhere where people change usually due to uh, intense suffering <laughs> or ext extreme presence right so obviously we can 
if we can avoid that intense suffering, that would be helpful. So the extreme presence is oftentimes like an epiphany or something that says, you know what, I got to change or even I can change uh, and, and, and move to a different perspective. And you mentioned the compounding effect, right? A little change here. So it wasn't necessarily like a wholesale change. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm reminded where uh, there's a stat where if you do a 1% change over the course of a year, every single day, then it's like a 37% uh, change over the year. And then obviously, if, if any of you have like a financial uh, investment model that, that's giving you 37% return year over year, <laughs> that's a pretty good investment to make. And the great thing is on yourself, and then it'll compound years uh, over years. So I, I'd love if you shared, if, if you can recall, like some of those small little tweaks or those that are uh, kind of working to, okay, they know that they want to change. They're not going to like uh, completely uproot their life. But right. the one thing they could change uh, a percent today, a percent tomorrow, a percent the next day. What were some of those things that, that you kind of found that, that helped you uh, shift your uh, perspectives and, and gain a little bit more uh, mental wellness along the way? Great question. Um, I, I think you're bang on when you say that it's not that people are necessarily looking to make these drastic changes in their lives. It's, you know, I've always said they don't want out of their life. They want to go up in their life. And that's an important thing to recognize. I think for people who want out of their life, that's a different conversation. But right. we're talking about, you know, the, the work that I do, the work we do in the mental gym is not about escaping a terrible life at all. Right. Again, if we look at that scale from one to 10, let's say 10 is your best life, one's your worst life. We're not talking about people who are at a two or a three. Right. We're talking about people who are, at, you know, six, seven, and they want to be eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, and so, the reason that I say that before I answer your question is because it is important to recognize where you are and that you want to move up and know you don't need trauma to happen in your life. It, I will say trauma can be like the greatest catalyst for, for change, but that doesn't mean you, uh, you go, go out there and invite trauma into your life. No, I don't suggest that at all. Uh, but we all experience adversity, our own different versions of adversity. We all went through a global pandemic together and, um, so everyone's got adversity in their life, and it's really just a matter, a choice of, of how you deal with it and how you come out the other side. So I think one thing to recognize there is what I just said is that everything is a choice. Hmm. That if you are living a six out of 10 life, it's because you're choosing that. Right. Um, and it's easy to, to look around at, at your situation or your circumstances and say, well, that's why, you know, that's why I'm living a six. And hey, I get it. Like, I was there after mom passed and, and um, all that. I, I saw how easy it could be to just stay down when life threw me down. And, and this was after I had been through some other really difficult times in my life too. Um, when I was 16, I, I contracted a freak rare brain virus. It took doctors seven months just to diagnose it. So I spent seven months in extreme pain, dizziness. I couldn't walk a straight line, not knowing if I was going to live or die. Um, my parents split up when I was quite young and then got back together and then they split up again and they got back together to split up and got back together. Anyway, it was very clear to me that life wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and that stuff does happen in life and maybe life is hard. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. And if it is, if that's the case, then you got a, a decision to make. Are you going to let your situation define you? Are you going to let your circumstances define you? Uh, or are you going to define you? So I think that's the the... That was like the biggest eye opener for me, especially early on that I recognized this pattern as I started comparing really happy people to, to really unhappy people and just looking for the patterns. And um, 
and I noticed this this coming up all the time that happy people happy people take responsibility. They they take real ownership of their lives, um, and the most unhappy people are blaming other people or blaming other things. They're making excuses, and I get it. Like this is I'm not saying this with any sort of judgment. I, I understand that not everybody's equipped to deal with life and and the things that that life throws at you. But it is a choice, um, and so recognizing that it's a choice, what you can do is day in and day out, really moment in moment out. You can turn on your radar to catch yourself mm-hmm. where you are in that that headspace of, am I really taking ownership of this or am I looking for a way to kind of blame somebody else or, or make an excuse or something like that? That one shift, and we call it owning your life so you can live your 10, anybody can do that. Anybody can start to practice that. And by making those little adjustments, by catching yourself just a little bit here, you know, once here today, maybe once a few days from now, but just those little catches, they, they really do compound. So anybody can, can start doing that today. Yeah. I love what you say that it, it, it's a choice, right? And really recognizing that. And uh, it, it's, it's so simple, um, but just because things are simple doesn't make them easy. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the big challenge with things is uh, you make that choice, but it's not a choice. And then everything's uh, sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. You have to make that choice pretty much every time, every day, right? Because the habits you built in the past uh, might have put you on the other side where yeah. you start, you were blaming people or it's, it's not my fault or it's, it's the government, it's the it's COVID, it's this or that versus to say, okay, but what can I do about it, right? What uh, do I want to do about it? Because maybe you, you can do something, but you don't want to because there are things that are happening around the world that you could do something about, but uh, do you want to, right? Um, so taking that choice and being, uh, I guess, mindful in the moment that is this the choice that you want that will lead you towards your your best life or is right. this uh, a choice you made before <laughs> that is leading you to kind of your existing life? Uh, I think that's great. I love what you said about like happy people taking responsibility, right? Because I think that's uh, a big choice that, that folks have. Um, I found that there was uh, in, in psychology, I can't remember what, what theorem it was, but it was related to that it, in any given moment, we're uh, focused on basically three, three uh, things, right? Either what we have or what we don't have, uh, what we can control or what we can't control, or the past, present, and future, right? Mm. And given any of those kind of levers, right? Because if you're obviously focused on what you don't have versus what you have, <laughs> right? Things uh, are, are not so great, right? If you focus on what you have, there's abundance, there's gratitude in there. If there's don't have, then there's lots of blame and things like that. Control versus can't control. Uh, I think that's what you mentioned about like the responsibility versus, well, mm-hmm. it's not my fault. It, it's some, it's always someone else's <laughs> fault. And, that. and then focusing on the, uh, the past, present, future, right? So you can learn from the past, but if you focus there, then that's not a great place to spend all of your time. You want to learn from it and then focus on the present, focus on the future and see where you can uh, kind of move things. So I, I love all, all of those uh, mm. uh, thoughts that you had. And I, I, I Love if you suggested some things that folks could do, maybe in different walks of life. So, if folks are students out there, right? What are some of the things that they can start with? So, obviously, they need to make the choice. With anybody here, they need to make the choice that they can and want to be better, right? Are there any specific things that that you might suggest for for the younger folks out there? Ed? Yeah. So, I'll I'll say this first that that everything that we work on in the mental gym, everything that we teach people and, and help them integrate into their lives, um, it is 
timeless and universal. So it will apply to a student the same way it might apply to a C-level executive um, or a C-suite level executive. It's yeah. It applies in different ways to different people in different situations and, and certainly with different responsibilities and different life stages. But I, that same thinking can apply um, as a teenager, as a college or university student. Um, there are a lot of things that we can work on, but I, I think one of the most important things to focus on early is who do you want to be? Hmm. Uh, who do you want to be? Like, how do you really want to show up in this world? Do you want to live a six or a seven life? Because if you do, you can probably do that with a little bit of effort and then the rest on just kind of go by default because that's what a lot of people do. Um, or do you want to live your 10? But you got to actually ask yourself that question yeah. and you got to answer that question. And what you find is when you do answer that question, when you answer it honestly, when you realize that, huh, I can choose anywhere on that scale I want to be, why would I choose seven? Yeah. Um, when you when you have that conversation with yourself, you get to choose that. And when you do that younger, you recognize that you are essentially charting a course for the entire rest of your life. You're setting a trajectory. It matters which trajectory you set. And I know that we think about trajectory a lot. We think about school and grades and career and stuff like that. That's part of it. But what about your happiness trajectory in life. How happy do you want to be? How fulfilled do you want to be? Um, how much of an impact do you want to make? For some people, that, that matters a lot, right? What's what's the ripple effect that you want to create in making other people better? Um, do you want your life to matter? And I don't mean that, you know, you don't matter. I just mean everybody wants to matter and be a part of something that matters, right? Like, how much are you going to matter? And so asking yourself these questions first instead of what's the career path I want to choose what do I need to get into this school to set me on that career path? I just think we're doing that in a really reverse order. Um, and it's a big reason why so many people do end up living a six instead of living it. Yeah. I love what you said about, uh, I guess, charting your course and uh, making these small adjustments. I'm reminded of, uh, I think there's a statement where like, if you start in California and you head for uh, Hawaii, like two de degrees off gets you to Japan or something like that. Yeah, or you land in the ocean or something, right? Like somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's so many different things where a small little adjustment, a small little change of reference to say, okay, you know what? I actually want to live an eight instead of a six, right? How differently would your life have turned out, right? And if if you're happy or comfortable in a six or seven, right? Uh, I, I, I that's okay. And maybe that six or seven is a ten for you, right? And the, again, no judgment for for folks, um, because some people I I know that they just want to be able to get home and, and play games. And that's a 10 for them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to change the world and I don't know, start right. for, for profit uh, and all that. In, instead of changing the world, uh, you want to make changes in your own world and, and improve it and, and make sure that you're uh, a little bit better or the world is a little bit better for you having been there than for you not. So, so making those decisions early, I think is great. Um, and there is this expectation that, that you go to school, you find a job and, uh, I guess get married, have kids and stuff like that, right? And, and be an upstanding member of society and things like that. Uh, but oftentimes the challenge comes, well, well I find where, okay, those expectations are met. Now you got a job, right? You, you're supposedly living this life that you wanted because you became the accountant or doctor or engineer or whatever. And you just do that for the next 20, 30, 40 years. But you realize that, well, by doing that, you are a six or a seven, right? 
So, so what would you suggest for someone in kind of in that stage of their life to go through? Again, it's, it's the same timeless principles, but applied in, in that context, right? So let's go back first to younger than that. And then I'll answer the question <laughs> at that stage of life. Um, because you said something that it's really important that your 10 is your 10. It's not somebody else's. So you said somebody might be living a six or a seven and to them, that's a 10. Uh, they're living their 10 if to them, it's a 10. Yes. If they think they're living a six or a seven, then they're living a six or a seven, right? The only thing that matters is, is their own. And so what, what we really need to pay attention to, especially as we're younger, but definitely as, as we get older too, is that we are living our lives based on other people's expectations, by other people's expectations of who we are and how we show up and the career paths we choose and all of those. In fact, it's one of the, it is actually, I believe the biggest regret, the biggest and most common regret that people have uh, when they're dying is that they wish they lived their lives true to who they really are instead of the life other people expected. I can only imagine having that sort of regret. That's not living your tank. You have that regret. And so recognizing that just because people say, just because the masses say, here's the path you need to take. I believe that all of us kind of deep down, we know the truth for us. We know if we go down this path, we're not going to be happy. And we know if we go down this path, while there might be some unknowns and not fully guaranteed or anything that we know that's the path we need to take, we got to listen to that. Yeah. Because people who don't, they spend their whole lives wondering what it, who could I have been? What could I have done? What could I have achieved? And they just, they'll, they'll never get to find out because they played it safe. I'm not saying everybody needs to take a risk or risk everything to go after something in life. I, I, it's just that don't live your life for other people's expectations or to, to, for that approval. Just You got to do it for you. You got to do it for you. But as you do it for you, I know that some people say, well, that sounds selfish. It's not selfish because the better you show up for you, the better you're showing up for everybody and the bigger ripple effect you're creating. You're making everyone around you better. Yeah. If you're showing up at a five out of 10, you, you, that's what you're putting out there. You're broadcasting a five and that's how you're helping other people show up. Yeah. If you show up as a 10, you, you're helping other people live their tens. Now I'll answer your question. <laughs> you are at this stage of your life. I don't know, you're 30, 40, 50 years old, and you're at this stage of your life where you're like, huh, I've been doing this thing. I've been on this path for the last 20 years, and this is what I know, and it's what I'm used to. And I hear this a lot from people is that that they, they're they unhappy in their jobs or their careers, um, but they've become accustomed to a certain quality of life um, or a certain way of living, and so they don't want to make a change. Um, actually, can I share a quick story about this that I think is really relevant? Um I knew this guy who was a professional. Um, he was he was uh, a lawyer, or is a lawyer. Um, and he was offered. Let me think. He wasn't happy where he was working. He wasn't happy at the firm he was working for. Really awesome guy. Really bright guy. Everybody likes this guy. He's just one of those guys. Awesome, awesome person. Wasn't happy though, and he wasn't because when you're not happy at work, it's not like you just leave it at work. It's, it really impacts your whole life. If you're unhappy at home, it's going to impact your work. If you're unhappy at work, it's going to impact your own and so on. And so he was considering moving firms and, and not getting out of the profession. He really enjoyed the profession, but he was considering moving firms. And this one firm that he really thought would be a really good fit for him um, and probably would have been a good fit for him based on everything that I heard. And he was going to be happy there. He's going to have to take a bit of a pay cut. So he was paid really well where he was going to go to this new place. He's going to have to take a bit of a pay cut. And it was going to take him about two years to get back to that same level that he was before. 
but he was going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, him and his wife were talking about getting a bigger house. They wanted, they had lived in a nice house, but they wanted a bigger house. Um, and they knew that if they made the change to be happy, they wouldn't get to have the bigger house. Now they'd have to wait the two years. Yeah. And the decision they made was to go for the house and to be unhappy. Now, I don't say this with any judgment. We have to make our own decisions. But you got to ask yourself, if you're intentionally making a decision not to be happy, mm -hmm. how are you going to be happy? Right. If you are intentionally making a decision to keep yourself in an unhappy situation or create a new unhappy situation, how do you expect to be happy in life? So I get the pull of maintaining your lifestyle. I get the pull of, of staying in your comfort zone because it's comfortable and we're human beings and we love comfort. We're like hardwired for that. And by definition, anything outside of that comfort zone is uncomfortable and we don't like that. So we try to avoid those situations. But if you recognize that you're living a six life, a seven life, a five life, even an eight life, but that's not where you want to be, then you've got to make a decision to change something. And it doesn't mean overhaul your life. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job or leave your relationship or anything like that. But you do have to make a decision to, like you said, adjust a couple of degrees and head in a, head in a bit of a different direction. Because if you don't, if you keep thinking the same way you always have and making decisions the same way you always have and behaving the same way you always have, you're going to get the same results over and over and over. That's not my opinion. That's just science and that's just math. So then um, you just got to ask yourself, is this where I want to be or... Do I want to live in my tent? For sure. I, I think it points back to um, kind of the decisions that you make. Like, what is a 10 for you, right? And uh, I mean, these are probably based on other people's expectations, right? They, they, you need to have a certain level of income. You need to have a certain size house, right? Uh, and, and based on that, well, but they, they kind of knew what happiness would be for them. Um, but they made different choices um, as a result of that. And I would have folks also think about like, what is happiness, right? Because that's a very loaded word too, because Trans. some people equate it with, with uh, pleasure, right? Like, like just, let's just be gluttons and eat everything. Let's just go and uh, take vacations all the time and travel and, and, and be like uh, travel bloggers, bloggers, or whatever it is. Um, but that is, is, is happiness for some and, and not for others. And my, my view is that no matter where you are, there's always going to be uh, discomfort. There's always going to be challenges in, in life, uh, whether you're, uh, call it, uh, uh, crying in your, your Toyota or crying in your Ferrari. <laughs> You'll probably have the same, same issues at, at just a slightly higher socioeconomic status. So, but it, you can also be very happy in your Ferrari or very happy in your uh, Toyota. And sometimes um, monetary uh, things are, are not necessarily... Um, that important for some folks, right? Uh, for others, it, it's definitely a thing. And I think I'm reminded of a quote where it's, it says something to the effect like, uh, whether you think or not, it, it's costing you, maybe not in money, <laughs> but it's costing you in something else, right? Mm. Um, yeah. So a couple of other things for folks to consider. I think it just goes back to what is the life that you want to live and, and what is a 10 for you? And then just making the, the conscious proactive decisions. And if you proactively decide to keep the money, keep the bigger house, then find those other ways to, to make you happy because it doesn't have to be at work. It doesn't have to be um, at, with the coworkers. I, I think there's a uh, concept like living like Einstein <laughs> where he almost had uh, apparently two lives where, where during the evening he was developing like E equals MC squared, the theory of relativity and all that. 
But during the day, he was working at like the Swiss patent office, which is mm. probably one of the more boring, mundane lies. Right. He did that to pay the bills, to, to kind of shut off his brain so that in the evenings he could do all these amazing things, right? Now, I don't know how much of that story is actually true, but it kind of uh, uh, potentially points to an option where, yeah, maybe nine to five, you're, you're earning the big bucks so that later on you can do something else. Like sometimes people do that or sometimes people choose to, to marry them together and, and make a little bit less money and, and whatever, but it's, you got to decide what's right for you, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to be clear on this. I'm not suggesting don't make all the money you want. It's, you know, it's, it's not about that. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm not an anti-money guy. Go ahead, yeah, yeah. make money, have a great career and all that. It's just recognizing that when people say, I, these are the things I want because that's what's going to make me happy. Well, that's not what's going to make you happy. That can be a really nice addition to what will make you happy. Though. Yeah. Um, and so the question that we want to ask is not like, what do I want as in what stuff do I want? Yeah. Ask yourself what you really want out of life. Like start there. Everybody needs to start there. What do I really want out of life? What matters most to me? That's where you start. And then you can make all your other decisions based on that. Yeah. Um, if you don't, you don't really know what direction you're heading in. Yeah. You can head in any direction, which means you can end up anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You can live a five, six, seven, whatever. It won't be your 10. You don't live your 10 by fluke, but... Um, I think that's a challenge for for a lot of people is is so many people when I ask them that question, what do you really want out of life? They don't know. Yeah. They got to spend a lot of time thinking about it. And I, I, I believe we should all know that yeah. for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a great way to uh, end this podcast because we can kind of go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes <laughs> or, or, for how to help with uh, when you're a parent or when you're CEO or whatever. Uh, but I think fundamentally, in order to help uh, improve your uh, mental health and, and wellness, it ultimately starts with the choice, right? And then uh, you need to really figure out what it is that you want, not necessarily the stuff, but out of life, what matters most to you. And when you start uh, pairing those two together and heading towards that direction, well, then a lot of good things happen. And, and you won't necessarily start uh, at your 10 right away. But if you're at a six, then get to a seven, then to an eight, then to a nine, and, and you'll find that the 10 uh, comes up soon enough. Uh, so thank you so much, Corey, for, for engaging in the, in the conversation and uh, sharing your, your insights and, and wisdom on improving your, your mental health and wellness. And uh, yeah, any parting words before uh, we, we, we end the podcast? Yeah, and, and thanks again for having me on. Um, I love these conversations. Um, you know, I, I know when people say, you know, here's some tips or some things to do to help your mental health and wellness. People are expecting to hear, you know, go meditate or go for walks in nature or exercise or eat well or prioritize your sleep, which is all super important. Like I swear by all of that stuff. Yeah. I meditate every single morning. I exercise. I went for a walk in the woods this morning. These, these things are great for your mental health and well-being. But what we don't want to focus on here are what people would call coping techniques or coping mechanisms. If you really want to get mentally fit so you can show up and perform at your best, so you can live your best life at work and at home, so you can live that happy, fulfilling life and live your 10, it's not about coping techniques. It's about fundamentally upgrading how you think, make decisions, and behave. And when we're talking about the difference between people who are struggling with their mental health compared to people who are really thriving in life because they're thriving in their mental health, um, this is the difference. This is what makes all the difference in the world. It's not about maintaining the status quo, and it's not just about prevention. It's about moving from good to great. 
So when we can focus on the move from good to great, and I absolutely believe this is the future of mental health and well-being inside companies, inside communities, in society, when we focus on that move from good to great and get mentally fit, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to to end off uh, the podcast. So thanks again, uh, Corey, for sharing your, your words of wisdom, and hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. You got it. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Corey. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.